Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. 6.30, Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by World of Spas, Edmonton's number one hot tub and swim spa dealer. The ideal place to start your daily vacation on Oilers Radio. 6.30, Chad. Oilers Now brought to you, as always, by World of Spas at 6.06 in Edmonton. It's hour number two. Brendan Escott here with you. Uh, World of Spas aching after a long day. World of Spas offering tubs designed with your relief in mind. Rest, recover, relax with World of Spas, Alberta's number one swim spa dealer. Visit worldofspas.com. Not CA.com. Okay, uh, lots still to come here. We're going to go down the path of the Edmonton Oil Kings, who are out on the road right now, uh, but will entertain a couple of matchups Friday and Saturday. Moose Jaw and Brandon, I believe, are the two opponents. Luke Pierce is going to check in at 6.35. But right now, we will head off to the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline at 780-496-0063 and hook up with our NHL insider, John Shannon, for legacy heating and cooling. Whether it's heating or cooling you need, get it with no payments, no interest for a year. That's how you build a legacy. Legacy heating and cooling. John, how are you doing this evening? I'm great, Brendan. How are you? Not too bad. And uh, I'll tell you what, the overall vibe of the city, it's its everybody has exhaled and, and the, the mood has lifted because the hockey team is ultimately the uh, the main dictator of, of mood in Edmonton. 5-9-1 yeah. and one now. They're creeping their way back to the playoff picture. Still six points behind St. Louis, but they got it done in heart attack fashion last night, John. And to me, that's the kind of win, uh, not the statement game, but really the statement win to prove to themselves that this can be a launching pad, maybe in the same fashion that they wanted the Heritage Classic to be. I, I suppose, uh, but I, I think there's a cautionary tale here too, Brendan. Um, they did not win the first period. They did not win the second period. Um, they, they were outplayed, in my opinion, in both in both those 20-minute windows. Uh, and that, I'm sure that has a bit of concern for everybody in the Euler office. Um, you, you're right. It, it was a s- statement third period uh, in so many ways. Um, and there, was, there were signs of a team that was prepared to battle, which we hadn't seen very often uh, in this first 15 games. So from that perspective, there are some positives, but uh, I just don't think... They're out of the woodwork yet. Yeah, and that's absolutely fair to say. We're not sure. There hasn't been a lot of time to really understand what Chris Knobloch is implementing and and what he wants this team to do. And even if it has been implemented, you still have to have some time to be able to master what he's after. But we have seen a small sample size now of the team playing with Knobloch as head coach. What have you seen in those games? Well, I've seen a simpler game from the defense, which I, I guess we have to attribute to Paul Coffey and 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 he and Mark Stewart what they're doing uh, there seems to be a little more confidence with the defenseman carrying the puck again that's something that Paul Coffey knew a lot about when he played and I would assume still knows about so that's a positive 
Um, but you know, when you look at it, um, I, I call I call the Edmonton Oilers offense a, a trickle down offense. It has to start with Connor and Leon. Uh, we're starting to see that a little bit. We're not seeing it full bore yet. We're not seeing it on the power play full bore yet. Uh, we're still looking for contributions from Ryan McLeod. Uh, Warren Flogel did have some contributions earlier in the season. He needs to keep that up. So there, and Ryan Nugent Hopkins needs to be better in in my mind. Um, so, so there are still some aspects of almost every part of this roster that I think you can you can push a little bit more in order to try to get them back to the point where we're saying yes, this reminds me of that team that went to the second round of the playoffs and the one that did get off to a bad start last year. But for the last uh, 55 games of the schedule, was one of the best teams in the NHL. McDavid looks healthier to me. He traveled the most distance of any oiler last night. He was up and down the ice, and you would expect a centerman to be doing that. And I think it just seemed to me like he is returning to his normal explosive self. And if this team can find a way to open up some of the areas of the ice that I think other coaches have done a really good job this year of taking away. If Edmund can, can find some more lanes, then we know that this player is going to return to the peak form, John. So I think that that is, goes to what you're saying about putting emphasis on uh, the periphery scores. And that's an issue this team has had forever, for a long time. McDavid's whole tenure. Yes, no, but th- and that's why it's imperative that, that he get on the horse again. Because the more he's involved, the more time the other team spends on paying attention to McDavid and and, their, and therefore Leon as well, there will be better opportunities for the rest of the forward units to contribute uh, when when they're not being checked as heavily as McDavid and, and Dreisaitl. It's it to me, uh, it, you know, and, and you know, I, we, I think we got spoiled last year, Brendan. We got spoiled where they almost scored on demand at times, uh, particularly with the bad advantage. Yeah. Uh, and the expectation of Connor is 150 points a year now. So is 110 points a, a failure this season if it, if it occurred to be 110 points? I don't know. That's a, that's a question you have to contemplate for a while. But he's back to a point a game, but a point a game is 82 points. That would be considered a an absolute overall slump for Connor McDavid at this point. So there needs to be, you know, it's it's fascinating. I, I think that a road trip like this one, two time zones, three time zones away, Tampa, Florida, Carolina. I I think this is one on top of coming out off of three victories in a row. I think this could be a huge positive for them. But they have to get off to a great start with the next game on Saturday afternoon. Yeah, chatting with our NHL insider John Shannon right now for legacy heating and cooling, and that is going to be a very difficult road trip, not only logistically, but you're going... Tampa is the easiest opponent that they'll see based on record to start the season, and Tampa's always a difficult opponent. They're 6-4-4. Four, and four. That's the welcoming party on Saturday. And then you get a Florida Panthers team who, despite playing without Brandon Montour and Aaron Ekblad to this 
this point has done just fine. They're 10-4-1, and one, and they're supposed to get both of those guys back. But Carolina, Washington, if you're looking for a litmus test road trip early in the season and to see if you can really emerge from the adversity, John, this is a pretty good time for this to come up, I would suggest. I, I, I think it is. Uh, but I also, it, and I guess this is, going, this is going to sound all very old-fashioned, Brendan. I think it's also a really good time to get out of town. Uh, I think it's a good time to get to get distracted by being with your teammates for five or six days and bond better under positive circumstances. It'll give an oblock a chance to uh, to get to know this group of guys a bit better. Uh, I, I think it's it's happening at the right time for this organization. And, and let's face it, you talked about Florida being. Well, I think they're overachieving right now. They've played very well. Sam Reinhardt has been just fantastic for them. Matthew Kachuk will always be a thorn in the side. So they've done a very good thing. Carolina's the one that's a little, uh, they're at odds a little bit. They're, they're, they're trying to find themselves, find the goal scoring. Their defense is always solid. They've got some questions in goal. And they're, uh, they're struggling uh, with wins and losses. And then there's the Washington Capitals, who we think are too old and too slow. But under Spencer Carberry, they have turned from being an offensive juggernaut to being very stingy defensively, and they will slow everybody down. It will be interesting to see if the Oilers are able to break through and use their team speed to beat the Capitals. Very interesting thing to watch. Uh, that one is next Saturday. No, next Friday. Excuse Friday. me. That's a yeah. that's an early one. Put this on your radar right now. It's a one o'clock puck drop Friday afternoon, uh, Ched time. Now, let's not end the conversation without talking about the goaltending situation, both the positive of it and what Stuart Skinner has done to turn the game around. Last three will highlight with a nine sixty five save percentage and stopping eighty two of eighty five shots. Where do you sit in terms of this being Skinner's improved play versus the team playing better in front of him? Uh, yes to all of the above. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, last night now I, I think Seattle squandered a lot of scoring opportunities not by Skinner's saves but by missing the net, particularly in the first 30 minutes of the game. Uh, but that said um, when push came to shove Stuart Skinner made the saves. He saw the puck. There was very little traffic in front of him at times. Uh, I, I thought he did a... And you could feel it, particularly with that one save in the third period, Brendan. You could see his confidence coming back. You know, you, you, body language is an amazing thing in the game of hockey. And it really, uh, for the for the goaltending position, it's even more important. And you could feel him say, Boys, I got the puck. I'm back. We're in good shape. I also think that, uh, and, and this is not a knock at, at the Oilers or at Jack Campbell, I also think it's, it, it's much easier for Stuart Skinner to know that he's going to start a majority of the games and he can get into a rhythm. You know, there's little doubt in my mind that he plays Saturday in Tampa. Whether he plays the next game is another question because you're going to have to give Calvin Pickard some time in goal at at some point if Pickard is still here so from that perspective knowing that in my opinion that that Skinner will play at least three of the four games on the road 
is a positive for that confidence and a positive for Stuart Skinner to know that he's not being questioned because so much of so much of a goaltender's confidence isn't can I stop the puck so much of it is do my teammates believe in me does my coach believe in me and is everybody behind me yeah that makes a lot of sense and unfortunately we've seen the opposite impact not only at the NHL level with Jack Campbell uh, but he has not responded well to the assignment to the American Hockey League needless to say John uh, the the 819 save percentage is um, pretty disappointing but also your heart has to go out to a guy that as a human being to another human being this is very difficult to watch and it really makes me wonder what the future in Edmonton is for him just what do you what are you looking at how do you assess this one um i mean i i followed the games that jack played for bakersfield i i looked at the box scores um it does tug at your heartstrings brendan um and and putting aside the fact that he's in the midst of a 25 million dollar contract which he is um it, it's still a it's still the human aspect that you you feel for i i would tell you um and i think there's a lot of people that would tell you that if you're looking for a goaltender to regain his confidence and regain his structure in goal sometimes it's difficult to go to the american league because the players you play behind uh, don't necessarily have the same playmaking ability or the same structure on the ice and the same game plan that you would have in the National Hockey League. And and, and that's just, you know, goaltender, there, there are great goaltenders in the American League that can't translate to the NHL when they don't get, when they're not overly busy. That said, Jack has to fight through this. If Jack wants to be a professional athlete, if Jack wants to be a professional goaltender, he is going to have to go and find the mental strength to fight through every one of these obstacles. And, you know, quite frankly, I think the Oilers are in a good position to give him that opportunity. It doesn't have to be for, you know, for 10 days. He's he's already passed waivers once, so there's 30 days grace there. So from, from that perspective, I, I think that, uh, I think that uh, Campbell can go and spend most of the season in Bakersfield and try to find his game again. This is exactly what happened to him out of Dallas, exactly what happened to him in Los Angeles. He went to Ontario and, and found his game because of Bill Ranford and Dusty Emu, and he can do it again. I don't think there's any question about that. We just have to be patient and perhaps not as... <laughs> Not keep as much of an eye on him because you know darn well that he knows and worries what people think. And that, to me, is a big aspect of the mental game that he has to fight through. 100%. And that's that's what breaks my heart is because we all know how much he cares about it. Oh. But he's got to be the one to ante up here and, and really close the floodgates if you will a couple more questions for uh, john shannon regarding the uh, the global series and just the opportunity for commissioner gary bettman to speak as he does at these events did we discern anything new today john regarding say the, the main topics i guess would be the decentralization of the nhl draft or perhaps some international uh, best on best upcoming uh the, the short answer is no um, you know, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm not sure even that they, they're going to try. They're trying to put a plan together to decentralize the draft for 2024, but it may not be 2024. It may be the year after. 
Uh, right now, though, they're quite frankly, if they can't get the Vegas venue that they want, I think they're going to have a difficult time finding a city that's interested in hosting the draft. Uh, and I think that that's one of the reasons why it, this whole decentralization has occurred, because uh, it, it's not necessarily that glamorous financial reward for the the home team, as everybody thinks it is. It, it's it's certainly a reward for the home city when you think of hotel rooms and, and hospitality, but it's not the great money maker that people expect it to be. Um, as far as international, uh, I... You know, I think we're a long way away from any decisions on the Olympics. I think he's always said and maintained that we're trying to get the players to Italy in 2026. Uh, but there are still some obstacles of who's playing in the Olympics in 2026. Will Russian athletes be allowed to compete? Will Russian teams be allowed to compete? Because that will throw a giant wrench into what some of the European teams think. Uh, I do think he he did say something interesting to me today or about about it today, uh, Brendan, about um, creating a, a World Cup and making it a home team remedy. And and I don't know what home team remedy means. Uh, that's one to keep an eye on. Perhaps we're we're on the verge of seeing something a little different in February of 2025 with a World Cup. Perhaps it's not eight teams or perhaps it's not six teams maybe it's a you know a great display of hockey with with four teams with canada the united states sweden and finland and i wouldn't be surprised if we hear a bit more of this home team remedy that's very interesting and not unlike things that we've seen in women's hockey for example with the four nations cups so perhaps just to get something going again that is a direction they take really interesting john appreciate the time tonight have a good night, Brendan. All right, you too. That's John Shannon, our NHL insider for Legacy Heating and Cooling. Late for another break. We'll be right back after this. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Brendan Escott with you tonight. Some guests of the show receive gift cards to Japanese Village. Now open for lunch at Edmonton South and West Edmonton Mall. An afternoon celebration for the senses. Visit jvedmonton.ca. You will see me at JV tomorrow night. I'm not sure whether I'm going to the mall or Edmonton South, but I do know I need some teppanyaki cooking. So that's where I'm heading. Maybe you should too. A quick look at the injury report. Connor Brown is skating with the team, certainly expected to return at some point on this road trip. Uh, There was talk that he might have been able to sneak into the lineup after taking that skate yesterday morning, but... I'd almost rather see them play it a little more cautiously with him considering the injury history. But a reminder, the next game that Brown plays will be his 10th, and that enacts that $3 million uh, bonus for next year. Otherwise, uh, Dylan Holloway now week-to-week with a lower body injury, likely the kneecap that he crashed into the wall with, but we don't have word on that for sure. And Matthias Janmark is dealing with a shoulder injury. He joins Dylan Holloway on the IR without an official designated Return date. We will chat with WHL head coach Luke Pierce of your Edmonton Oil Kings. They won a game last night and they got a couple more coming up this weekend. We'll find out the more details when we return to Oilers Now.